0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Inna and welcome to Talk Water, a Blue Tech Research Podcast Series focused on providing water market intelligence. On this month's episode, we look at is environmental impact reporting a new norm? And if so, who's doing it and why? Also, Is it crunch time for UK water companies as industry calls for a change ahead of price review 2019? We'll explore all of this and more, but first let's take a quick look at Bluetech's highlights for this month with our editor-in-chief, Rhys Owen. There's lots happening this month, Reese. Let's start with our first highlight of the month. Is the adoption of advanced metering infrastructure, or in other words, AMI, growing?
1: That is growing, especially in the UK, on the back of the energy industry. Government has set a target of 53 million smart energy meters to be installed by 2020. But internationally, we feel the real growth area is going to be on the data, software, and analytics side. So we look at the value chain and shift within that Companies that remain hardware-only risk being left behind if they don't also incorporate the data, digital and analytics side.
0: Continuing with the digital theme, we've looked at the opportunities for cost savings in solidity watering through the use of IoT-enabled sensors and automation.
1: So we estimate this could save ultimately around 200 million a year for municipalities in the US once it takes off. This is still an emerging area. It's very possible to achieve cost savings with intelligent cleaning and monitoring of flow through sludge dewatering plants, but only Valmet offers a complete control system at the moment. This is a company which is currently undergoing a pilot trial in Green Bay, Wisconsin, for new water. Uh, This could prove to be the catalyst for stimulating future interest in the U.S.
0: Completed this month is also our latest report on on on-site disinfection. Disinfection, as we know, is required by a broad array of industries, both large and small. And largely, businesses requiring such disinfection have two options. Either buy in chemicals such as chlorine or generate the disinfectant
1: on-site. And we think the total market could be as large as $400 million in global annual capex. And that's excluding ballast water, which is itself another multi-billion dollar disinfection market.
0: A key question we wanted to answer at the outset of this work was whether on-site disinfection is competitive versus chlorine gas s- systems, and I think research has largely proved that it is more attractive, particularly where chlorine cost is high and supply is unstable at re- in remote locations. In the report, we highlight major providers, their differences in, com- in commercial offerings and their respective market size and target market applications. The webinar on this topic is taking place this month, actually, on the 24th of May. And finally, does the application of carbon nanotubes in membranes really have a future? Our webinar last month on reverse osmosis explored this to some depth, but this month we take a deeper look at the company MatterShift and look at its technology, which is a polymeric membrane technology with embedded carbon nanotubes. So we assess MatterShift's technology to see if it really lives up to the promise of exceptionally high performance. So all that and much more in our upcoming intelligence briefing for this month. And with that, we'll get started with our first speaker for this month. We have online with us Christina Copeland from Carbon Disclosure Project, or CDP. CDP is an organization which supports companies and cities to disclose the environmental impact of major corporations. It aims to make environmental reporting and risk management a business norm, and drive disclosure, insight, and action towards a sustainable economy. Christina is Senior Manager in the Water Security Division of CDP, and will be joining us at BlueTech Forum to both introduce and close out the end-user session roundtable. This session is going to be an interactive roundtable discussion where industrial and utility end users will be invited to identify key innovation challenges in their businesses and the required solutions. So, Christina, thank you very much for joining us today. I'll start by maybe asking you to perhaps
2: say a few words about CDP and its mission. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me, it's a pleasure to be talking to you today. And you gave a great overview of CDP. Um, I don't have too much to add, but I'll I'll just add a few more details. Um, So CDP was founded about 15 years ago, and we were founded to tackle climate change at its source by giving the world a better definition of the problem and potential solutions through corporate environmental disclosure. And in a nutshell, CDP is the founder of Environmental Disclosure. And we connect this disclosure and data to market forces like institutional investors so that we can begin to shift behaviors in line with a sustainable economy. Mm -hmm. And CDP used to be the Carbon Disclosure Project. We started with our climate change questionnaire to collect information from companies on greenhouse gas emissions. But in 2010, we started dipping our toes into the water space. And so I manage CDP's water program in North America, where we engage with hundreds of companies, as well as cities, on their water risks and opportunities and targets and goals and a whole range of of different KPIs.
0: Fantastic. And so, Christina, as part of um, CDP's work, you guys are obviously very involved with uh, large corporations and, and uh, probably, you know, work with them quite a bit. So based on your experience, what is the biggest driver for companies to disclose this data? Because sometimes it can be quite sensitive information
2: for an organization. Absolutely, yeah. So that's a great question. I would say there are probably three main drivers in terms of why companies disclose information. The first one being communication, communication. Many companies initially respond to CDP because the request is coming from their investors. And also CDP data is throughout the investor marketplace, such as TrueCost and Sustainalytics and Google Finance and MSCI indices. So that communication benefit is really key, as well as the fact that CDP is a standardized questionnaire. So it's a one-stop shop for investors and stakeholders to see how companies are managing water. Uh, Secondly, uh, implementation is a a good benefit or driver, so a lot of times after a company goes through the process of disclosure for the first time, um, they might realize that this questionnaire is a framework for action and implementation of best-in-class water stewardship. And just to give an example of that, the mining company Alcoa said that when they first responded to CDP Water, some of the questions prompted them to incorporate new concepts into their water strategy, which in turn increased its relevance to their business strategy. Mm-hmm. And finally, recognition. So responding to CDP Water allows for recognition of your participation in being transparent. And we also oftentimes highlight best practice case studies from water responses and our water reports and various other thought leadership pieces throughout the year.
0: And just in terms of recognition, I know CDB scores businesses from A to D and, you know, that's, that helps take an organization on its journey through disclosure to awareness, management and finally to, to, to leadership. So what does being on the A-list mean? And, and um, could you maybe share some examples of organizations who are on the water A-list? Yeah, Absolutely.
2: So it sounds like you, you've definitely done your homework and already know some about, <laughs> about CDP scoring and how it works. So you're absolutely right. Uh, each response receives a one-letter score ranging from a D to an A, and each of those grades falls into one of those four levels you mentioned, um, the disclosure, awareness, management, or leadership, and that represents a company's journey towards leadership. So the score is really a holistic overview of how a company is doing based on the information they put into their CDP response. And I say holistic because depending on the question routes the company takes and their response one, response can contain more than 300 data points. Um, so it is yeah. assessing them across a really wide range of actions. And so disclosure is really, you know, did you answer the question, yes or no. Um, awareness is at questions that ask whether water impacts and issues have been considered within the organization. Mm-hmm. Management is if you have reported actions that represent good water management. And then leadership points are given where companies have provided specific answers that demonstrate current best practice in some areas of water stewardship. And um, if a company receives enough points in all of these categories, uh, particularly the leadership category, then they can make CDP's Water A-List. Just to give you a sense of how many companies are doing that, in 2017, out of more than 2,000 corporate responses, there were 74 companies on the Water A-List. And i asked for some examples. Several of them I know will be at the Blue Tech Forum in June, um, such as L'Oreal and Unilever and Ecolab, and mm-hmm. um, we have um, a lot of other big names in the last who made the A-List such as Ford and General Motors, Colgate, Tom Olive, Kellogg, um, HP, Inc., Owens, Corning, so yeah, it's a, it's a wide range across a lot of different sectors.
0: Yeah, wow, that's, that's fascinating. And when you assess them from, from, from A to D, you must come across some, some trends around challenges that these organizations will typically face. I mean, are there any top three challenges, for example, that that, that you've seen that keep coming up?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, to put them into, I guess, three large groups, I would say, firstly, a key challenge that we see is um, the actual water accounting, so measuring and monitoring water withdrawal, discharge, and consumption. Um, in 2017, we saw that only 63% of responding companies are regularly measuring and monitoring withdrawal, discharge, and consumption, which is just a really basic first step in terms of knowing how much water you're using yeah. and consuming. Um, secondly, a large part of the CDP questionnaire focuses on risks associated with water. Mm-hmm. It is an investor request, um, and that's you know what com- what investors want to know is what are the risks associated with water to your company and how are you mitigating them? So in looking at how comprehensive the risk assessments are, companies should consider physical risk, regulatory, social risk, the environmental context of where they have facilities, and also not just look in their direct operations but across their value chain. Right. So understand if risks are in their supply chain, for example. And we found only 20% of companies responding to CDP have done the risk assessment at that comprehensive level, taking into account all of those factors. And then finally, uh, targets and goals to improve water security is really where the rubber hits the road in mitigating the risk. And only 56% of companies had targets and goals related to water. Uh, from the group of 2,000 that reported to us. So I would say those are some, some general trends and areas, the three main areas where I would certainly encourage companies to, to take a look at if they haven't done so already. And
0: the questionnaire, will that include um, questions like what are, the, what are your common challenges and, and, and is, are the results from the questionnaire made public?
2: So, it's up to the company on whether they submit a public or a private response. Right. The information does go to their investors uh, who have signed on to CDP to ask mm-hmm. CDP to be this middleman to get the information. So, um, investors can see all the responses, but in terms of whether they're publicly on our website, um, that's up to the company. But I will say about 80% of companies submit a public response because the whole aim is about being transparent and communicating to your stakeholders so most yeah. of these responses you can go on the cdp website and download them brilliant
0: and what does cdp then do with the with the results would you advise companies would you introduce companies um, just technology solution providers for example or and would you continue to track progress you know with those companies
2: yeah absolutely so we publish a series of reports uh most recent large report was in last November covering all of the 2017 information we received on water and the key trends. And then we absolutely do have uh, programs and um, partners where we say we have those partners for companies to be able to easily know If they want to, for example, undertake a more robust risk assessment on water or do an LCA on their product and understand the water footprint of that product or work more with their supply chain, Mm -hmm. um, we have partners that we can connect companies to. Um, And then also, you know, I mentioned that uh, one of the benefits of responding is it can help companies implement things. Right. And we do ask companies about opportunities and innovations that they are, Seeing uh, related to water, and it's really great to be able to share those widely and have that be best practice that other companies can learn from. Brilliant! And
0: what does CDP then do with the with the results? Would you advise companies? Would you introduce companies, just um, technology solution providers, for example? Or, and would
2: you continue to track progress? You know, with those companies. Yeah, absolutely. So we publish a series of reports. Uh, most recent large report was in last November, covering all of the 2017 information we received on water and the key trends. And then we absolutely do have uh, programs and um, partners where we say we have those partners for companies to be able to easily know If they want to, for example, undertake a more robust risk assessment on water or do an LCA on their product and understand the water footprint of that product or work more with their supply chain, Mm -hmm. um, we have partners that we can connect companies to. Um, And then also, you know, I mentioned that uh, one of the benefits of responding is it can help companies implement things. Right. And we do ask companies about opportunities and innovations that they are uh, seeing related to water. And it's really great to be able to share those widely and have that be best practice that other companies can learn from.
0: That was going to be my next point, actually. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, from a blue tech perspective, we're interested in tracking water technology innovation. And I think programs like CDP's program will enable disclosers to answer with confidence how they're responding to a low carbon economy and even benchmark against their peers and drive innovation forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And just to give an example, Ford Motor Company was one of, I mentioned they were on the Water Mm A-list last year. They have a really robust water goal of 30% reduction in water use per vehicle from 2015 to 2020, and an aspirational goal of zero potable water use for the manufacturing processes, Mm -hmm. ultimately. And they use a lot of uh, technology. You mentioned water recycling, that's definitely something they do. And then maybe more specific to their sector, but they have a dry paint overspray system to eliminate water usage in the car painting process. Right. And, uh, but something that I think is probably familiar to a lot of companies is cooling towers, yes. one of the yes. largest uses of water, and they're using new technologies such as electrolytic water softening to increase the cooling tower cycles of concentration and reuse the water a lot more before needing to bring new fresh water in, um, so ultimately lowering their water consumption. So I think um, those type of uh innovations that can apply to common issues or common things that all many facilities use such as cooling towers is great and i look forward to hearing more about it in tune at the blue check forum
0: fantastic thank you so much for your time christina and certainly look forward to meeting up uh, meeting up uh, in vancouver this year
2: absolutely thanks so much for having me (laughs) thanks thank you take care you too bye-bye
0: bye Good morning, Paul, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's been a busy month at BlueTech Research. Uh, we're of course gearing up for BlueTech Forum 2018, but apart from that, we've we've also been attending a number of other events around the world. I want to talk in particular about your visit to the UK last week. The first thing that comes to mind when you think about the UK water sector now is the upcoming 2019 price review, or in other words, PR19. It's a critical period for water companies in the UK as Ofwat, the financial regulator, continues to set very high standards on the water industry. The regulator has continued to tighten performance targets, meaning companies must simultaneously improve service to customers across a wide range of metrics. So it's crunch time really for the UK companies. And just based on the conversations that we've had with the various utilities in the UK, I think it's safe to say that the UK water sector hasn't been busier. For the benefit of our international audience, maybe you could share with us some details on what you've heard about what Off-What want companies to embrace in the coming months.
3: Sure, happy to, to elaborate on that a little bit. For, for people who may not be familiar, um, the UK, of course, is a privatised water sector with uh, maybe a dozen or so large PLC companies. They're regulated by Off-What and OffWatt, requires those companies to submit what they call a price review PR um, and they're submitting one in PR19 so they have to submit business plans now to OffWatt and and each of these OffWatt will set different goals what's critical this time around the four goals one of them relates to innovation the four criteria are a they want to see improved customer service mm-hmm. second long-term resilience that could be to climate change and resource availability which pushes us towards circular economy and resilience to climate change events. Thirdly, affordable water. They want to see a net reduction in water bills to consumers in the UK. And and fourth, innovation. They wish to drive innovation and that's, you know, a difficult thing. How do you drive that? Well, what they've asked for is that the companies demonstrate this in their business plans and they say that of what will incentivize and reward companies that innovate. And they're actually calling for displays of ambition. So they really want to see this coming through in the price reviews, which now gives the water companies the opportunity to do that in a way which they would not have had before.
0: That's very unusual for OffWatt and very interesting to see because their aim is to usually put pressure on utilities to keep customer bills low. So if they're emphasising on ambition and, and innovation, they're clearly trying to think outside the box and encouraging the utilities to do the same
3: absolutely and absolutely and that's being reflected in a lot of what we see happening now.
0: yeah so for companies hoping to impress off what with their approach to resilience they will have to display clear links between innovation activities and resilience outcomes so maybe you could share with us some examples of the activities or initiatives that the utilities are undertaking currently
3: yeah well they're embracing it in a very real way I mean I certainly can never recall a time, as you mentioned at the outset, we've seen such a buzz in yeah. the UK water market, which is significant. It's a market of 70 million people with you know a relatively finite number of utilities that lead that market, so not terribly fragmented. Um, if you look at what's happening, it begins with Ofwat. They have a program called Spark Innovation. There's mm-hmm. a video channel on YouTube with a whole series of videos. That's very unusual from a regulator to drive that. But when you go down to the level of utilities. Northumbrian Water has a water festival in the summer. You don't normally associate a festival with water. No. <laughs> no. Which is being held at a race course with music and there'll be a water hackathon. Um, Anglian Water has what they call a shop front window to encourage collaboration and people to... Yeah. And they're working on, you know, 60 plus projects at the moment. Um, United Utilities have a project called Innovation Lab where they recently had six companies were shortlisted to spend, you know, eight weeks on site developing business plans. So when you look across the board, you see quite a lot of exciting activity um, within the UK water sector right now. You
0: mentioned the Innovation Lab with United Utilities, and I believe those six companies were global companies who travelled all the way to United Utilities' head office. So yeah. that's also a trend we're seeing, is that increasingly UK utilities are looking looking to match to their players abroad. So
3: Indeed, and to bring in that outside innovation. Yeah. Yeah, a high proportion of those companies were international companies that were um, introduced, and that is a change. And I think, funnily enough, Brexit is actually causing the water utilities to be more outward and embracing along with PR 19 mm. because they now need to bring in innovations from wherever they can find them yeah. to improve performance and are very open to partnerships both on research and development as well as demonstration.
0: Yeah. You attended the very successful Smart Water Systems event in London last week and you mentioned to me that there were some very good papers that pre- that were presented on analysis on the benefits of smart meters and customer engagement to reduce water usage maybe you could share with us what you've heard there
3: Sure, this is one of the most fascinating pieces of, of the event um, the smart water systems event in that there were case studies from a number of utilities uh, in particular I would mention Anglian Water Uh, Southern Water, Thames Water, but also Severn Trent, and they spoke about results they have achieved through the use of smart meters, combined in some cases with metered billing, when the the bill is related directly to the meter reading, but also, importantly, customer engagement. And that came through really strongly, Mm -hmm. the importance of providing customers with data, but actually, in many cases, direct home-to-home outreach. When you combine these, the numbers that were reported were between 7% and 15% reductions in water use across a catchment area or a demonstration town. Like Anglian had a demonstration project at a little town called Newmarket, and they achieved an 8% drop over 12 months, and with unmeasured properties, they saw a 25% drop over 12 months.
0: That's quite significant.
3: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And when you look at that PR19 goal of resilience, reducing water bills and customer service, um, you know those things are... Significant, Yeah. And, you know, and again, that 70, 15% number is what they can achieve without finding new water by, by reducing losses, changing customer behavior, finding plumbing losses, things like that. Very interesting, so, yeah. I certainly came away believing that there's no doubt now in my mind that this is the direction that the UK will go towards real-time data, automatic meter reading... It's not really a question of if but when that they will go in that direction.